Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. Listening to a special edition of Rush the Field College Football Podcast. I'm Scott Seidenberg, alongside veteran coach and scout Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com, and we have a late week treat for you guys because we're going to preview the LSU Florida matchup in the swamp with former LSU head coach Les Miles and former Florida and South Carolina head coach, the head ball coach Chris Steve Spurrier. What a great conversation with both these two gentlemen. Yeah, boy, they're both characters, and, you know, guys, uh, going back with Steve and uh, years and years ago from his USFL days, and what he did at Florida was simply outstanding. It was, quite frankly, the best run we've seen in the SEC since Bear Bryant, and now has been surpassed, we know, by Nick Saban. And then, of course, the job Les Miles did, replacing Nick Saban at LSU, a lot of success there, and um, it's certainly a lot of fun. Both of those guys are getting into the – Steve's now going to be coaching in the Alliance Football League, and Les is doing the acting thing right now. And, uh, <laughs> obviously, this is, uh, yeah. this, is a, this is a lot of fun here, doing some <laughs> beer commercials, and they're getting ready, talking about visors and eating grass. Um, it's great. It's what makes uh, college football uh, unique in that you don't see this in the NFL as much where people kind of tie themselves to their school, even though, you know, Steve's a pure Florida guy, and LSU's kind of a, a, a less as a transplanted Ohioan that's a, by de, de facto an LSU guy as his kids are growing up in the Baton Rouge area. That's right. Well, let's get to the conversations. Uh, first up, the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier. And, Coach, what is going on with this wager between you and Les Miles? Yeah, I tell you what, Dos uh, Equis Beer uh, asked uh, Coach Miles and I to do an advertisement, uh, sort of be a spokesman, I guess, for Dos Equis, uh, this past summer. And, of course, our two former teams are playing uh, this Saturday here in the Swamp. So uh, we got a little bet that uh, if the Gators win, he's got to wear a Gator visor around for a day or so. And, you know, Les is one of those guys that doesn't wear visors. He, he's one of those hat guys, you know, like Bo Schembechler. Uh, they would never consider even wearing a visor. It's sort of, you know, sort of sissy-like. I, I think they look at it like that. But anyway, and then, of course, if LSU wins, i got to eat some grass. Uh, Les is known to put grass in his mouth over on the sideline. Uh, I don't know if he swallowed it or not, but uh, that's uh, that's what I got to do if LSU wins the game. <laughs> well, that certainly is uh, an interesting uh, stakes there for the wager. Hey, Steve, I know you've been really in tune with this Florida program. I'm curious to see how you view this LSU team, having maybe seen them play a couple of times this year. I know that you have. Um, talk a little bit about this LSU team and what you've seen and what you think they bring into the swamp this week. They played very well, uh, beat Miami convincingly. I think Miami's in, back in the top 25. Uh, and then the big win at Auburn. So uh, that was uh, that was a big one for them. And, of course, that was a game that could have gone either way. Uh, so many of these uh, SEC teams that are big, strong teams. And the one this weekend, uh, when they come in and play the Gators, it's, it's a game that could go either way, I, I, I'm sure. Hopefully our guys will – make a few more plays than them, and uh, we'll be in good shape uh, as we head through the rest of the season. But, uh, yeah, LSU, uh, they got an excellent kicker. Uh, 
the young kid that transferred in, and they got an excellent quarterback transferred in. I tell you, this is uh, it's a new day of, uh, of football. Sometimes your recruiting classes they're very important. Don't get me wrong, but if you can get a key player to transfer to your school, then uh, that that could be the the winning edge right there. Well, you mentioned transfers, so I'll get into this with you right now. I was going to hold off a couple okay. minutes here, but this new rule here about redshirting guys after four games played. I know it helps coaches because you can play guys actually for the first couple of games and actually get a real look at them before you decide to redshirt them and they don't lose that year of eligibility. But the reverse side of that coach is that kids are deciding to leave their programs after playing four games if they determine that the playing time is not there. We've seen obviously the highest profile one with Kelly Bryant, the quarterback at Clemson. Do you think that the rule is is good because of what it helps coaches able to do or do you think that this ugly side of this transferring after four games is going to happen every single year yeah i think uh it's not good at what happened in clemson uh, i think the rule is that they can play in any four games correct uh instead of just the first four so I think that's a good rule, and it eliminates, well, was he hurt? Did he have an injury? Was he sick? Uh, you know, you had to go through all kind of that stuff to get a redshirt year if a kid had played in one or two games early. Now the rule is, hey, you can play in four games, and it could be the last four. Uh, personally, uh, if I was still a college coach today, I would try to hold a really, really good freshman player if we felt like he would stay four more years mm-hmm. if we redshirted him. And, uh, I mean, looking back, uh, we had a number one recruiting class here at Florida after the 91 season. So Danny Warfel and all those guys, uh, we were able to redshirt about 10 or 12 of them, including Danny Warfel, mm-hmm. the Heisman winner and, and so forth. So we got four more years out of all those guys. And, uh, as many fifth-year players as you can have, I think, is an advantage for a team. But uh, they all want to go pro early now, and uh, so it's hard to have a whole bunch of fifth-year guys. But I think the rule in itself is good. I think uh, guys that leave after four games, uh, I don't I don't know. I think uh, uh, if, if they really just feel like they're never going to play at that school, and then uh, maybe I understand them wanting to have a redshirt year. But uh, anyway, it uh, – it's it sort of hurt Clemson. Well, it has hurt Clemson, and uh, uh, but they're the, they're the only school that's in that situation, I think, at this time. You know, Steve, I've had the unfortunate task of coaching at the Swamp, particularly when you were there, when it was really rocking and they had some great teams. Uh, talk a little bit about kind of playing in the Swamp and how it is right now compared to what it has been and uh, the difficulties uh, for opposing teams uh, going into the swamp to play? Well, certainly uh, uh, the years I coached here and Urban Meyer years, uh, the swamp was was a tough, difficult place for an opponent to come get a win. Uh, The last several years, I don't think it's been quite as strong. uh, And our crowds have not been what they used to be either. And people want to, you know, they look for all the reasons. It's easy to sit home, watch them on TV, and this, that, and the other. But but people are going to all the other ballparks around the South and, and filling them up. So hopefully we're going to have a full house here Saturday. Uh, 
and uh, the noise level will be way up there and create that home field advantage that we had back in those days. And, and I think the reason the Gator fans have not shown up that much uh, recently is we, we just haven't scored a lot of points. Uh, we can win some close, ugly games and stuff like that, but those fans want to they want to see something thrilling, exciting. They want to see a good pass game. They want to see the home team score points and, and, and things of that nature. But again, uh, Dan Mullen and his guys, uh, we're off to a good start. Had a little hiccup against Kentucky, uh, but we seem to be trending in the right direction. And cer- certainly LSU is undefeated. So it's a huge game, uh, SEC game of the week, 3.30 game here Saturday. And uh, hopefully the home field advantage will really kick in. And Coach, that loss to Kentucky doesn't look so bad right now the way that they've been playing this season. No, it doesn't look bad at all. When it happened, people around here were saying, gosh, who are we going to beat if we can't beat Kentucky? Well, wait a minute. Maybe Kentucky's pretty daggum good, which uh, we've learned they are. Uh, they're undefeated and on the way uh, to a huge game with, uh, I guess they played Georgia before we do. But that's down the road. Uh, everybody's got to worry about this week. I think Kentucky goes to Texas A&M, which would be a difficult game for the Wildcats. Uh, but anyway, the Gators uh, – we just need to worry about LSU. Uh, sort of interesting. Uh, they've come here two years in a row. Uh, we had that hurricane two years ago, and uh, the LSU athletic director didn't want to uh, come here during the open date because they played Alabama the next week. So I he said, okay, we'll go to your place, and then you guys come to our place two years in a row. So this is uh, the second year in a row they're coming here. Uh, ironically, they won the game here, and we won the game at Baton Rouge. So sometimes that home field advantage maybe is not all as important as we make it out to be. But uh, anyway, it should be a heck of a game here Saturday. One more thing, Coach. I, I want to ask you, you're going to be a part of this Alliance of American Football coming up in the spring. Uh-huh. What are you looking forward to most about this new league? Scott, just looking forward to coaching a team, being on a team, uh, trying to put a group of guys together and uh, trying to win the championship, trying to put a really good team competing and so forth. Uh, Us coaches and most of all the coaches in the alliance are guys uh, a little bit like myself in that we've sort of had our time, had our run, and now all of a sudden there's a new spring uh, football coming. Uh, The Alliance of American Football, where we only work four to five months a year on this. So we're still sort of uh, off. we got a lot of free time after that. So uh, looking forward to it, looking forward to competing, putting the team together, uh, and enjoying the journey of uh, striving to uh, win the Alliance Championship. Coach, best of luck. I appreciate the time. It was a pleasure, obviously, watching you coach at Florida and, of course, at South Carolina. And uh, we'll be looking for you at the Alliance of American Football in Orlando. Hey, Steve, it's uh, great to have you back in coaching again. So we wish you well on that. Okay, good talking to you. Well, and it's going to be a lot of fun watching Steve coach in the Alliance. You know, he is a ball coach. I mean, he that's how he touts himself, and that's what he is. He loves coaching. He loves calling ball plays. He loves designing offenses. I'm going to tell you, half the time he doesn't know the players' names on defense. <laughs> he just loves football. He loves coaching. And I'm excited for him that he gets to do that. He's an ambassador to Florida. It's what he's involved in this. And he's able to coach in the spring. So it's good for him at this age. It can kind of be a little low-key and still do what he wants without having to deal with the things that he didn't want, and that was recruiting, yeah. which got uh, old for him in college. 
you know, it's, and he mentioned, Chris, about uh, some of the other coaches that are kind of in the same, I guess he said, life position or whatever that he's in. You know, you got um, Dennis Erickson is going to coach in this league. Uh, Mike Singletary, Rick Neuheisel, Mike Martz, uh, Tim Lewis, Brad Childress. So it's a, it's gonna, Mike Riley. So an interesting group of uh, coaches there in the Alliance of American Football. But y- you know what I found interesting about his, his answer? Um, when you asked about the home field advantage in the swamp, is that it really hasn't been that way lately? And of course, we 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 joked about the loss to Kentucky. It doesn't look that bad right now because of how well Kentucky's been playing. But that's a game that they were shocked to lose in Gainesville. I mean, you just don't lose games at home to teams like that. Well, here's the thing about Florida fans. Um, Florida is a relatively, in air quotes here, relatively new program. Florida was not one of the blue blood you know, SEC programs. They didn't win back when Steve won the Heisman Trophy. Florida was not. Florida. Steve comes from East Tennessee and kind of overlooked and went down to Florida, and it wasn't a program that did anything for the longest time. And then the population boom came in, and I remember Bear Bryant saying back in the day, if they ever figure out uh, the right coach over there, we're all playing for second, meaning Florida, because as the population boom went in, mm-hmm. and the first guy that went in and started to change things was Charlie Pell. And he started the Bull Gators, where people started to donate money, because Charlie Pell came from Clemson that started that IPTAY program, I-P-T-A-Y, which stands for I pay 30 a year, as in 1,000. He was <laughs> a great fundraiser and a salesman. And he goes down the floor and he builds that. And, of course, uh, they got into trouble. They got into um, probation. And then, you know, Galen Hall was the interim coach. And then that's when they cleaned house. And one of my mentors, Bill Orange Barker, who's coach at LSU that I worked for, went to Florida as the athletic director. He hired Steve from um, from Duke, and the rest, of they say, is history. And he revolutionized football. Football in the SEC was, um, you know, it was a ground and pound. It was run and, and run some more, and he opened it up offensively. And so the Florida fans that started basically in the 80s, they started to see an exciting brand of football. They not only won and won big, they blew people out. That was exciting. So that's what the modern fan thinks. The Most fans, quite frankly, aren't around to remember the days when they couldn't win at Florida. They only remember their success. So mm-hmm. when you go in and Florida's had success with Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer, but they've had the moments where – they didn't have the really good hires. And, you know, the Ron Zook situations didn't work out. Jim McElwain, uh, Will Muschamp, there's been downtime. So there's not a lot of patience. There's tremendous expectation. And that's why I think the popularity is waning when it's a little bit off. You know, if they're not competing for championships, they're not that interested in Florida. Uh, and and they, they've not filled the swamp up like it has in the heyday when Steve and, and to some degree when Urban Meyer had it uh, going there. Well, let's take a look at this game this weekend a little further. Uh, we talk about the wager between Les Miles and Coach Steve Spurrier. And let's bring in Les Miles, who joins us here on Rush the Field. Coach, so what's this I hear about a wager that you have going on with the head ball coach? Well, you mean the head beer coach? <laughs> so, hey, he, hey, I think I think he's made a mistake. I think he's, you know, in the in the spirit of keeping it interessante, I think he's made a mistake. He's bad, you know. He's he's, he's I am going to do what I have to do. I'm not going to have to do anything. I am not going to have to wear a visor. 
I am not a visor guy. I am not. Uh, I, it's in my opinion, it's half a hat. It's unmanly uh, headwear. Um, you know, it's it's not something I'm going to have to really involve myself with. But if I finish second in this uh, in this wager, I will wear that ball cap. That uh, here's that the question, though, Coach. And, uh, what type of grass does he have to eat, and how much does he have to eat? That's what I want to know. Well. I recommend the fescue, and I don't recommend quantity. I recommend the blade of grass. And, and certainly, if he makes a mistake, if he if he goes for a handful, it it could be it could be a problem. I mean, I'm not saying that his constitution is could be you know weakened there, but I mean that frankly could do a lot of damage. So he better be careful. Well, how do you see this one playing out this weekend? you got the number five team in the nation and the Tigers taking on the Florida Gators, who after losing you know, to Kentucky, a game which doesn't look that bad right now because of how well Kentucky's been playing, they've strung together two pretty impressive road wins and now return home to the Swamp. Well, the, uh, the Florida team is tremendously talented. Felipe Franks, that, uh, that quarterback, is something else now. I mean, he's a big, tall, capable guy. You know whether or not um, the, the they're going to have the ability to move the football against a one of the best defenses in the country at uh, in, in at this uh, Louisiana school. Um, I think I think those defenses are special, and uh, and then Joe Barrow has made a tremendous difference offensively. I I, I picked the Tigers. I uh, I think. Uh, um, I think the Tigers are positioned to do exactly what they're they're made up to do, and that is play for championships. And so there's, you know, they're, they'll line up and go into the swamp and not be intimidated in any way. So uh, it'll be a uh, <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun. And I, uh, I like I say, I I, I like my wager. Coach, one of the many great things you did as a head coach at LSU was identify and hire really good coaches. I get asked by a lot of the NFL people, general managers, tell me about this Dave Aranda. I've known Dave for a while. You picked him out. You got him, and he's certainly a big reason, along with a lot of talent, why they've had such good success under you and now still with a really good team. Talk a little bit about Dave Aranda, what you saw in him, and the great job that he's done uh, at LSU. Well, Davis is methodical in his, his, his uh, framework in handling game plans. And the offseason, they improve, you know, every offseason because Dave Aranda is in touching base with a high school coach, touching base with another college coach, touching base with an NFL coordinator, just to see, you know, where he is going and to improve his defense. And uh, I, uh, he won. He, he gets along with the players so well because he's not a, uh, a screamer. He's, he's a guy that says, we anticipate that you're going to give us every effort and energy that you have. But you have to know what you're doing. And he's going to challenge them to be that kind of defense. And uh, I, I think they're – I think that potentially they're the number one defense in the in the country. I, mean, I think they got speed at linebacker. I think they have uh, their secondary is better than uh, secondaries that I think people are bandying about as being number one. I think their secondary is best, and 
I uh, I think that defense is going to be it's going to be special. So if you put Joe Barrow at, at quarterback, the guy who is a, a Mr. Ohio from from the uh, great state of uh, Ohio and uh, a uh, tremendous addition to this team, makes great throws, has athleticism, can run. Um, I, I to me, I I, I like uh, the uh, what. Uh, Certainly, what Dave Rand has added to this team, but this is this has become a, a team that can really buy against any. You know, you talk about how well they are defensively, and you mentioned Joe Barrow at quarterback. I think a big difference with this team has been what Nick Brissett has done at the running back position because, you know, I'm an old-school football guy, Coach. You know, I think you have to run to set up your entire offense, and I've been impressed with the way that LSU this season has been able to run to set up that pass. No question. And Nick, Never mix if you watch him. You know, if there's nothing, he, you can run into nothing. You can run into, you can be smashed. But if there's a break, if there's a cut, that's Nick. That's Nick Brissett. Nick Brissett will roll into a into a position, plant his foot and go back, plant his foot and go forward, plant his foot and go straight ahead, and and that is just what you want. He doesn't miss a cut, and uh, I uh, I agree with you. I think there's. Uh, I think there's enough talent there that uh, they can line up and play against anybody. Coach, I, I would like to get some of your thoughts, if you would, and kind of a little bit of a big picture of kind of where we are in college football. And a lot of the talk this year has been about the transfer rule. And I think I know your background well enough. And uh, one of your mentors, Bo Schembechler, the the team, the team, the team. And, I, I wonder if I'm off base here in saying that, hey, the transfer rule is great in terms of development to be able to play guys in more games and still get their year back. But are we getting into a situation, we saw it in Clemson, and maybe I think we'll see it more, maybe more at the quarterback position, where guys will maybe look more about how it's going to benefit them and maybe put that ahead of the team. And I'm just wondering how you feel about that. Well, yeah, I have uh... – I'm very comfortable with the philosophy, the team, team, team. That is, uh, that, that presents the opportunity to win championships. That's how it's accomplished. If you, if you can't turn and work hard for the guy that's in the trench with you, that's in that room with you, then you don't really have much. And, but what's, what's happened is it's really college free agency. And, and it's happened really at the quarterback spot for quite some time. It's, um, I think it's this, it's a, it's one quarterback gets to play. I mean, Joe Barrow, as an example at Ohio state, he's, he's going to be third. Okay. Instead he comes here, he has the opportunity to be first and it's made a tremendous difference in his career and it'll make a tremendous difference in the LSU team. So, um, I, uh, I, I recognize the, uh, the position and, you know, they're going to want to benefit themselves because they are a draftable commodity yet. Um, it's your team, it's your teammates. And, but what, what ends up happening is, is that conversation with the coach and the coach saying, Hey, listen, you're not going to get a chance to play as much as you'd like. And I think there needs to be a coming together of, of vision for what is expected if you stay. 
if you stay, this is how much you're going to play. This is what you're going to do. And if you have a better opportunity than that, then I'd take it. If you don't, I'd stay right here. And I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, applaud the um, the uh, two quarterbacks at Bama. I mean, those two guys are doing. You know, they're going to, they're potentially going to win a national championship, share in a ring, and both get to play. And I think that that is. You know, to me, the right thing. You know, the opportunity for both guys to play, and yet, um, not you know, put yourself in the position to win a championship, not only for your team and your classmates, but for you. You 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 get to step in and make a difference. And I think that uh, those two guys are making that difference at uh, Alabama. Well, Coach, uh, we appreciate the time and and the insight, of course, and best of luck on the wager this weekend. We hope that we don't have to see you wearing that visor because I know you'll be a little uncomfortable with half a hat. (laughs) No question. No doubt. Hey, hey, thanks, guys. You have a great day. Thank you, Coach. Coach. Appreciate it. Take care. Uh, Just a great conversation there with uh, Coach Les Miles. Uh, You think he wants to get back into coaching, Chris? Yeah, I think he does. Um, you know, I don't know how much he talks about it publicly, but I, I sense just behind the scenes that he does want to get into it. Um, you know, the right situation has to be there. Uh, he's a guy that is young enough. I think he that team concept that he talked about and it comes out of him, I, I think he'd love to lead a football team again. I think it has to be in the right situation. Uh, I know that his family's starting to grow and <laughs> they're getting to be empty nesters there, he and his wife. So uh, I think the opportunity to maybe to move and move on, you know, he's got a little bit of leeway with the money coming with him from LSU. So he's able to do some different things, able to spend more time with his family um, and, and do some of this acting stuff. But I think down the road, if the opportunity were to present itself, I think he'd like to. And I'm very curious to see if he gets that opportunity, how his philosophy may change on offense or will it, because that, that op, he really did a good job at LSU. The program was set in the standard set by Nick Saban, but he did a pretty good job, but it gradually started to regress much like with Philip former at Tennessee. Um, and, and it was to the offensive side. And I think and wonder uh, would he do things a little bit differently if he got another shot? Yeah, well, only time will tell to see if he gets that next opportunity. All right, Chris, before we get out of here, we'll give a little prediction on the game. I'm going to say that Florida pulls an upset here in the swamp. I think it's going to be a good atmosphere there on Saturday afternoon, and I think this is a tight game that comes down to the final possession. I'm going to go with the Gators. Well, shoot, at LandryFootball.com, I did our entire breakdown and broke it down in great detail, about 4,000 words, the matchup, the strategy, everything. And I kind of thought the same thing, that Florida (laughs) might win by three. Now that you said it, I'm going to change it. I'm going to go ahead and go against LandryFootball.com. I'm a Tiger. Les is a Tiger. I love Steve. But, you know, I'll say this. I think LSU has the better personnel. I think Florida is in a good spot. I think it's a close game. I think it's likely a one-possession game. Heck, I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, it's hard for me to to 
go against the Tigers being uh, having that Tiger blood in me. So, and less talking to less gets me fired up. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's going to be a close one, and it wouldn't surprise me uh, if Florida pulls it out. But uh, maybe I'll go with LSU here in a close well, one. No visors and no eating grass for you <laughs> or I. Be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball and head to LandryFootball.com for all the latest breakdowns on this weekend's games and, of course, the reactions afterwards. And be sure to tune in each and every week to new episodes of Rush the Field with myself, Scott Seidenberg, and Chris Landry, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles. Quick fix on Radio Influence. That team yesterday that was on that field doesn't win five games. They don't go 5-11. and 11. They go 4-12. and 12. That team is not beating a lot of teams. They're just not. Defensively, we can't, we, we can't beat anybody right now. And there's a statistic that I heard this morning. Uh, 13 times in the last uh, eight years, the Buccaneers are giving up 40 points, and that's the most in the NFL. Go back and look at the Tony Dungy slash Monty Kiffin era, and off the top of my head, I can think of one time that they gave up 40 points, and that was against the Raiders in Oakland. They gave up, it was like 49 nothing or something crazy like that. Other than that, you weren't scoring 40 points on a Buccaneer defense. You just weren't going to. Now, everybody, that offense we just played is not a good offense. It's not an efficient offense. And they didn't even try to run the ball at the end. And that was, it was almost disrespectful. They were up by 30 some points and they said, you guys can't stop us throwing the ball. We're just going to continue to stop. We're just continue to throw the ball. That was it. So we couldn't do a damn thing about it. Nothing. And that defense won't win five games this year. It won't. No way. That defense is porous, and I don't know where it goes. Once again, Mike Smith, his scheme, there's no greatness out there. There's no greatness to back, uh, for everybody to fall back on, none. And we give up 400-yard passing and 350 to everybody. We just give the booty up to absolutely everybody. And we allow everybody to have career games against us. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.